Hey, good day, everybody, and welcome to your Ruby Live event. My name is Eric Weinkoop, and I'm the Director of Culinary Instruction, uh, as well as one of your instructors in the courses. And I want to uh, welcome you uh, specifically to my office hours today. And, uh, you know, without further ado, let me go ahead and uh, start uh, in on our events today. And what I'd like to do uh, actually is to talk, first of all, about a, a topic that comes up every once in a while. Uh, it's a theme, in other words, that I recognize from students. And that is, um, you know, generally, uh, you know, how to start out with a, a Ruby course, uh, as well as how to continue with your learning, you know, even beyond your Ruby course. Okay. And, uh, you know, for a lot of folks uh, who perhaps did not grow up in the kitchen and are, you know, jumping into the uh, idea of cooking and, and learning to cook anew uh, in their adulthood, uh, it can be uh, a little bit uh, nervous, right? Or, or anxiety uh, producing for some people. And, uh, you know, the message that I want to convey is, uh, you know, take it a day at a time, take it a meal at a time, take it one shopping trip to the grocery store at a time, uh, or one food delivery to your home at a time. Uh, and, uh, you know, don't worry about perfection, right? First thing out of the gate. I think, you know, one of the interesting uh, sort of psychological challenges around cooking uh, is that uh, it is such a, a mundane activity, right? Uh, you know, we do it every day. We do it multiple times a day that uh, in, in, in a way we expect it to be easy, right? It's kind of like taking a shower. We do that most days, right? And uh, it, it's not like that as it turns out, right? There's a lot to learn uh, just in terms of information. Uh, there are a lot of skills to develop when it comes to food handling. Uh, you know, much like acquiring the skill and knowledge of any other activity, such as playing the flute uh, or maybe learning judo, right? Uh, you know, all those things take time. And certainly you wouldn't expect yourself to pick up a flute and learn to play it with any level of proficiency after a week or two, or gosh, maybe not even 90 days, although you would certainly see progress, right? So same thing in the kitchen. Um, give yourself some time. Um, I'm gonna give you lots of time, and I'm here to support you along with my colleagues, and uh, you know, even beyond, right, your Ruby course experience, whether you're uh, in a 90-day course, such as the Forks Over Knives Ultimate course, uh, or one of our shorter or longer courses, okay? Uh, cooking is a lifelong endeavor, and it certainly is for me. And, uh, you know, for my colleagues that are professional cooks and chefs, uh, we recognize that um, there is no end to the possibility of learning information and acquiring new skills or deepening the skills that we have uh, in this beautiful world of food and cooking. And so I hope uh, you approach this 
uh, you know, with the long-term vision. And think of this, uh, you know, in the context of the long durée. And uh, just enjoy it, right? Uh, experience the joy of cooking. All right. Uh, so those are your words of motivation for the day. Now, uh, let's take a look at the posted questions. All right. And the first one is from Virginia. Uh, what is your favorite recipe in Ayurvedic cooking? Uh, which area of cooking do you see trending in the next few years? Uh -huh. So um, a couple of interesting questions here. So let's take the first one regarding Ayurvedic cooking and, and my favorite recipe. So, um, you know, let me explain uh, to, to the audience uh, Ayurvedic cooking. Um, and, you know, how that fits into the context of uh, the, the larger world of uh, cooking and how this particular question intersects with the topic of Ayurvedic cooking. All right. Um, so, you know, Ayurvedic, uh, let me let me come at it from a different angle. Cooking, really, uh, practically any cooking uh, can be Ayurvedic cooking, uh, generally speaking. Okay. Um, the, uh, I think the important thing to keep, uh, uh, an eye on or at the forefront of our, our understanding is that this idea of preparing food, uh, Ayurvedically, uh, for somebody, whether it's ourself, uh, or somebody else, uh, must take into consideration the doshic profile, right, of the diner. And, uh, so... Uh, you know, if we have uh, Wata, Pitta, and Kapha as the three primary doshas or bio-psycho-energies, right, that uh, are sort of front and center and at the core of Ayurvedic theory, then we need to tailor that dish, that beverage, or that meal uh, to best align uh, or balance the primary doshas, uh, or primary dosha uh, that uh, is in question, right? And often we're talking about uh, a dosha that uh, is likely to be uh, out of balance, uh, and we're trying to restore that to uh, the, the natural state, right, of that particular diner. And so, you know, with that uh, sort of individualized approach in mind, you know, any, uh, in this case, recipe, any favorite recipe, um, you know, uh, can be served with that Ayurvedic approach. And, and uh, Virginia, to more specifically answer your question, I don't have a, I don't have a single favorite Ayurvedic recipe per se. Um, every meal that I produce uh, is uh, produced with uh, the Ayurvedic principles in mind, and I approach cooking through an Ayurvedic framework each day. Uh, in our home, we have three members in our immediate family, and each of us has uh, a, a different dosha uh, that is the primary dosha. Now, we'll serve the same meal, um, but you can then adjust it um, with uh, cooling herbs or heating spices or, or something else uh, that will then better tailor 
that dish or that meal for that particular consumer. Okay. And uh, so, uh, you know, whatever I'm eating uh, is my favorite Ayurvedic recipe uh, of the day. All right. Um, now, your second question uh, regarding what I see trending in the next few years. Um, well, let me uh, um, pull out my crystal ball here, and uh, you know, actually, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to see anything new. Uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, prognosticators out there in the food world that uh, will probably have a, a a better finger on the pulse of what's going on, but uh, you know, certainly the idea of, of plant-based food and whole food uh, cooking, the whole food diet, which has been around. Uh, you know, as a trend for a strong trend uh, for a couple of years, I think that's here to stay. Um, and so expect that to uh, be presented uh, in different ways in terms of uh, marketing to the consumer, but always keep in mind the fundamentals that we teach, frankly, uh, in our plant-based courses here at Ruby uh, around uh, the cooking methods. Uh, and those supporting techniques that will allow you to approach whole food cooking in a way that makes best sense for you in your situation. Okay, uh, whether it's uh, you know uh, certain equipment that you have, access to certain ingredients in your locale, uh, perhaps it's food uh, proscriptions due to allergies or other reasons. Um, all of those things, uh, you know, can be uh, you know, taken care of very easily or accommodated very easily within a whole food uh, approach to uh, cooking and uh, eating. Okay, and uh, so in other words, uh, sift through uh, all of the marketing hype that we might see, and uh, focus on the core, right, of developing your skills around whole food. Uh, uh, cooking and uh, enjoyment. Okay. Um, you know, another thing that's certainly here to stay is, uh, I think, online education. And uh, so cooking uh, falls right within that discussion. And, uh, you know, uh, our offerings here at Ruby are only expanding uh, due to demand uh, from all directions. Uh, whether it's the home cook or whether it's the the business, right, the restaurant side of uh, of our business that we tap into, and uh, you know we are here to uh, serve uh, serve the world uh, as it turns out. And so those are a couple of things uh, that I hope that you might enjoy uh, moving forward into uh, yeah at least the next couple of years. Okay, thank you. Okay, next up from Randy. Uh, suggestions on how to set up my refrigerator and pantry. Uh, specifically, what are they looking for in the pictures I send in as my first homework assignment? Uh, types of containers expected or easy setup would be helpful too. Yes, so you know one of our first assignments uh, in some of our courses uh, is the kitchen reset assignment. And uh, you're asked to um, Put some thought, right, to the places and spaces in which you store your food items. 
and uh, you know, even to put a little bit of effort in uh, tidying up those spaces. And this is in an effort for you, the student, to prepare for the course, uh, both mentally as well as physically, right? This is mise en place for the course. Um, so it's not for us, okay? And I wanna emphasize that. Um, when you tidy up your refrigerator or your pantry, um, you know, we just want to know what you've done. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you've engaged uh, at a level that is certainly meaningful to you and we'll provide some feedback. Uh, this is a, a, a um, uh, sort of an introductory assignment. Uh, it also, you know, allows you to uh, better understand the the interface with Ruby as you're uploading images and uh, uploading uh, text that's part of your uh, assignment, okay? And uh, so uh, I'll give you a little bit of insight here. We grade pretty easy, okay, on this first assignment. Um, so in terms of containers, uh, you know, think about what makes sense for you, uh, whether it's uh, budgetary considerations or space considerations or something else. Uh, but glass containers are popular as well as plastic containers. Um, you know, many students will uh, use, uh, you know, a set of containers that have uh, tight fitting lids um, that will, you know, hold items securely. Um, I, I think those are a great idea. Uh, certainly not a requirement, uh, but I, in my experience, it makes my organization a little bit easier here at home. And um, let's see. Yeah, you know, I think that touches the, the basics, right, of uh, what it is that you're asking here. Okay. So, again, just uh, for your own sake, right, uh, take some time to take a look at your fridge, your freezer, your pantry. Um, some of us have you know, many spaces where we keep food, you know, upstairs and downstairs. And uh, so just check out those places and see that they're easy to access, that you know what's there, um, that you're prepared to use those ingredients. In other words, they're not uh, so outdated that you wouldn't want to use them, uh, you know, in which case you might discard them now. So it's just a way for you to make a fresh start. I hope that's helpful. Thank you. All right, next up from Christina. Uh, ideas on how to turn my love for cooking and uh, health, healthy eating into profit. Well, now, um, this is a common question, and it's also a very big question. And, you know, I would say first, uh, you know, think about what your passions are, what your, your areas of interest are. Uh, relative food to food, you know, cooking and health. Um, you know, are you a, uh, a people person? Do you like to talk? Uh, are you good at marketing, therefore, and reaching out to people? Or do you prefer to be, uh, you know, in the shadows, so to speak, or in the back of the house, as we call it, doing the cooking? Um, you know, think about what your uh, your strengths are, uh, what your skill set uh, is comprised of, and uh, just what sort of foods or, uh, you know, whether they're meals or whether they're convenience food items or maybe a beverage, you know, that you might be interested in marketing and creating. Um, and then begin to test that on a small scale with family and friends. 
and then also, I'm a big fan of creating a business plan. And a place to start uh, in that effort uh, is to visit a website uh, for the organization called SCORE, uh, S-C-O-R-E dot org. And uh, SCORE is made up of uh, volunteers, uh, folks that have lots of experience in many, many different fields of business, including food-related businesses. And they're there to guide you through uh, this process of, of perhaps starting a business uh, and uh, also helping you uh, with a business plan. And uh, what a business plan will do uh, is uh, sort of push you down a path to address a number of topics or answer a number of questions uh, that will encourage you to think more deeply about this concept that you have, right? Whether it's the marketing piece or the, uh, the menu development piece or the ingredient sourcing uh, question uh, so that uh, you are best prepared uh, once uh, the time comes for you to uh, to pull the trigger, so to speak, and, and start this project. All right. So give that a try. I hope this is helpful. Thank you. All right. Next question. Uh, in my chopping, some of my finer foods, such as thin carrots and green onions, have a curl to them. This makes it almost impossible for me to follow a straight cut along the length of the plant. Uh, any suggestions on how to manage cutting these? Yes. Uh, so the curling food uh, is, uh, in my experience, a sign of freshness. And it, boy, it is a, it's a challenge for all of us that are slicing carrots, especially very thinly. And um, so, it, you know, one thing to consider is, all right, if, if you um, need to have very consistent uh, very neat uh, cuts, then try to, you know, sort of stabilize that one piece of, of uh, or edge of the, of, the, of the product with multiple fingers uh, before you come in for the cut, okay? And uh, if you've got uh, just a, a little bit of fingernail, uh, that sometimes will help get some grip again, on the, on the edge of that piece of produce, the carrot in this case, uh, for uh, allowing you to, to better stabilize it before you come in and make the slice with the knife. Um, now, I've also noticed that when a carrot is maybe not quite as fresh and plump, uh, maybe it's, it's uh, been in the fridge for a few days and lost just a little bit of moisture, that uh, that tendency to, to curve is reduced and uh, it's a little bit easier uh, to make those knife cuts. Okay, just a little, uh, I don't want to call it a chef's tip, but just a little insider tip. Okay. Um, and then, you know, in terms of green onions, uh, you know, if certainly if you're cutting them uh, along the length of the green onion, then uh, the fibers have a tendency to curve. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we take advantage of that uh, sometimes uh, when we make garnishes. And we'll even, uh, you know, make some, some long cuts 
um, either slightly on a bias or but otherwise just generally along the length of the green onion and then place those into uh, a bowl of ice water and then to, to, to make them curve even more and then we can uh, garnish the top of a salad or uh, a plate of fried rice or something else before service. Uh, so you might even use that to your advantage. Okay, thank you. All right, and the next question. Uh, in one of the quizzes in the course, it mentions that after you saute, you can deglaze the souks uh, if desired. I didn't remember souks being mentioned earlier in the course, but maybe I missed it. Can you explain what this means? Um, yeah, so this is a, a French term that refers to the, the little brown bits uh, that develop on the surface of the pan, you know, due to the juices that come out of the food item and the heat from the pan. And uh, those little bits are really flavorful. And, um, you know, I encourage my students to taste some of the souks uh, on their own. Uh, just so you have an idea of how concentrated that flavor can be. And it varies uh, based upon what you're preparing. Um, but where possible, we do like to capture that uh, through the deglazing process because it uh, adds a nice layer of umami, of, uh, of flavor depth uh, to the preparation. All right. I hope that's helpful for you, Hannah. All right. Next question. Uh, what are your encouraging words of wisdom to a novice cooking school student? Although uh, I'm excited about registering for this course, uh, I'm a bit nervous as to how demanding this course might be. Um, well, as it turns out, you know, my, uh, my opening thoughts uh, that I shared uh, address your question to a certain extent, and I hope that you found uh, that uh to be helpful for you. Now, uh, you know, in terms of the demand of the course, um, I'm not sure which course you're in, but uh, certainly it's going to require your attention every week and ideally a little bit every day, you know, as uh, you take a look at some of these foundational skills uh, that are to be developed throughout the course, such as knife skills. Uh, and the understanding of cooking methods, whether it's the saute and how to take advantage of the souks that develop in the pan for the deglazing process. Um, you know, all of these um, should be approached with the idea of repeating the process, right? Repetition uh, is what will make you a better cook. And so uh, if you're able to incorporate the cooking lesson and the practice recipes uh, into your your daily meal repertoire then it'll probably make most sense uh, certainly in terms of time management right and that overall effort that you are putting into cooking and the time you spend in the kitchen okay um, you know i will mention that our long courses our professional plant-based certification course as well as our uh, six-month cook certification course, uh, they're long. And, uh, you know, you really need to dig deep uh, mentally to stay engaged, uh, to make it to the finish line uh, on time, if that's important to you. You can always uh, extend the course. That is an option that we offer. Uh, but if you want to stay within that uh, suggested, uh, suggested uh, completion window, 
then you need to really be in it, uh, in the course, uh, engaging, uh, gosh, uh, almost daily. Uh, you know, several hours a week is uh, what you should plan to do. Okay, uh, but as I've mentioned again, you know, mentioned earlier, uh, you know, try to find the joy uh, in the cooking. And uh, always know that through the mundane, right, through the repetition, that your skills are developing. And uh, we just need to put in the time uh, to become, first of all, more comfortable in the kitchen, and then second, proficient at cooking. Okay? Thank you. All right, next question. Uh, how do you scale up recipes? I have a cake recipe, for example. I don't know how to scale it up so that I can make a lot of them at once. Uh -huh. Okay, so let me uh, take a little sip here. I'm drinking some coffee, uh, which is a coffee look-alike, but it's made from black figs, uh, dried and ground. And this is a product from Oregon. Okay, uh, let's see. Let me uh, first sort of talk about scaling up recipes more generally, okay? And, um, you know, so for example, uh, to, to double a recipe is often no problem, okay? Um, when we uh, start to expand even for well, let me, let me back up and qualify what that means. So, Let's say in the cuisine kitchen, you're working with a recipe that uh, yields four or five portions, right, of some savory preparation. If you were to double that for the eight or ten guests that are coming, uh, you can probably do that very simply. But as you move beyond that uh, to feeding larger groups, uh, maybe 20 people or, or 50 people, then you need to pay attention to uh, especially the the more pungent ingredients, you know, like garlic or like spices, okay, to begin with. Um, now, beyond that, there are certainly logistical issues, uh, you know, around uh, prep and refrigeration and the equipment that you might need uh, to complete the job, okay? Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, baking, um, Again, if, if you're starting out with a recipe that uh, produces, uh, you know, one loaf of quick bread, um, maybe you can double that. Probably not a big, uh, a, a big deal in terms of the results, um, but you want to test it, okay? You want to keep an open mind to testing uh, these things first um, and, uh, you know, think about also uh, the the equipment that you're using, the uh, the cookware as well as the the baking equipment. Okay, um, the uh, you know as as we move, for example, from uh, smaller baking pans to larger baking pans, uh, for example, uh, it takes a lot more time for heat to penetrate to the center of that batter and for that uh, cake to cook through evenly. And so there's gonna be adjustments perhaps uh, in temperature and certainly in time uh, to get you there. Now, another consideration is as we extend baking time, 
right? Sometimes uh, we might experience too much top heat or bottom heat. Uh, top heat means heat coming from the top of the oven. Bottom heat means heat coming up from the bottom of the oven. So in other words, the tops get too dark or the bottoms get too dark. So we can move the rack up and down accordingly. Um, and we can then also uh, sometimes cover the tops of cakes uh, as we need to, to protect uh, uh, the, the, the product from excess heat and browning. And then of course, there's adjustment of the temperature as I mentioned. So all of these variables uh, must be kept in mind um, as you start to test recipes. Now, arguably an easier way to approach this uh, in the baking uh, baking and pastry kitchen uh, is to look for a professional book on baking. Okay. And you might consider a, uh, a textbook that is used in culinary schools um, that will often have recipes that already produce a large quantity of food. Okay. And so in other words, they're tested at that level, um, and, but it, it may mean that you will need to acquire uh, some different cookware, maybe larger sheet pans, maybe some risers uh, to fit into sheet pans uh, in order to accommodate the larger volume of batter in that particular format, okay? And uh, so uh, you ask an important question, uh, but it's, it, it's simple, uh, in its very early steps, but if you know you want to expand and, and really maybe start a business or um, you know uh, you know cook for your uh, your, your neighbors uh, on a larger scale, uh, then there's going to be uh, probably many more variables to attend to and uh, testing that will be required on your part. Okay, but do consider uh, first of all a professional uh, book. Uh, that will often have recipes that are already scaled for larger production. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. Next question. Uh, when I cook for my husband and myself, I use a recipe for two or four. Like the former question, I know that I can't simply multiply by five when I cook for my extended family of 10. Uh, how can I adjust seasonings when I do that? Um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned, if you're simply doubling a recipe, probably no problem. But this is a perfect example here. If you're going to multiply by five, then some testing uh, and note taking will be uh, necessary on your part. And uh, yes, indeed, it, it's the seasonings, right? It's going to be those more concentrated flavorings that we use uh, that will need the most adjustment. And that will need to be done uh, on a two-taste basis, okay? So this is where the note-taking comes into play, all right? Uh, and then, of course, keep in mind that uh, temperatures will often need to be changed and, of course, the size of your cooking vessels uh, will need to be adjusted to accommodate the larger quantities of food as well. Okay. Um, now there are books uh, in the, for the savory kitchen that you can consult uh, that would fall within the category of catering uh, that do present, present recipes that are formatted for large scale production. 
um, you know, cooking for 50 people, for example. And uh, so you might take a look at, uh, you know, some of these resources uh, as a reference. All right. Thank you. And uh, the next question. Uh, for the first baking assignment, uh, what are you looking for? Uh, should we go with a certain level of difficulty or just make something we enjoy baking? Well, now, uh, I am going to guess that you are referring to the go-to dish assignment, the, 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 the go-to item, uh, where you're asked to make something that's familiar to you. And, um, uh, you know, kind of like the kitchen reset assignment that I addressed a few minutes ago, uh, this go-to assignment uh, is a way for you to familiarize yourself with the interface and kind of get used to being a student with Ruby, uh, as well as give us a chance to sort of understand uh, a little bit, right, uh, where you are with that particular cooking, okay, how, you know, what your approach is to whatever it is that you're baking. Uh, it's not required that you produce anything, um, uh, you know, in particular in terms of a level of difficulty, right, or a style of product. Uh, it really is a chance for you to express a little bit of uh, what you normally do in the kitchen, uh, what you enjoy making, okay? Uh, so, you know, take this as uh, a fun assignment and, you know, put in as much effort as uh, you're comfortable doing, okay? And... Uh, yeah, I think that answers your question. Thank you. And next up, uh, what's your favorite nut substitute for cashews in creamy sauces? I have a cashew allergy and don't feel uh, tofu and white beans make adequate substitutions. Uh, would blanched almond or macadamia nut work better? Uh, well, let me start at the tail end of the, the sequence here and say that blanched almonds or macadamia nuts may certainly work. Uh, I would uh, encourage you to give it a try, give them both a try, and see how you like the results, okay? Um, it's going to depend on uh, the accompanying flavors and how you like them relative to the dish that you're preparing, okay? Uh, you know, as well as the, the texture and all those other aesthetic considerations, all right? Uh, you know, I think I, um, you know, I eat cashews. So uh, when I have thought about making a cashew sauce, I have always used cashews. But the idea of using almonds or macadamia nuts uh, is also appealing. Uh, sunflower seeds uh, I use from time to time as well. And, you know, feel free to use any other uh, seed or nut, uh, you know, that, um, that might appeal to you. You know, when I think about the um, uh, Indian uh, tradition of cooking, poppy seeds uh, come to mind. When I think about the Mexican tradition of cooking, uh, walnuts come to mind. You know, so really the, uh, you know, the, the world, right, is of, of nuts and seeds is going to be open to you. Uh, you know, based upon what you're able to eat, uh, and then also those aesthetic considerations uh, that are important to you. 
right? But I think uh, you know any of these items within this broad category of seeds and nuts are possibilities for you. And I hope you'll give it a try. Thank you. All right, uh, next uh, question is from Heather. Uh, for task 95, let's see, uh, FOK ultimate course, uh, using legumes, does tofu qualify as a legume? Uh, should, should we use dried canned beans uh, or lentils for this activity? Um, Heather, please use uh, the, the whole um, bean or legume, you know, whether it's canned or dried. I think that's going to be um, uh, the, the, that'll provide you the best practice for the intended uh, focus of this activity and, and this lesson. All right. Thank you. And let's see the next question. Uh, what is the best way to introduce vegan cheese to friends and family who are afraid to try it? Well, um, yeah, this is an interesting question. And, and uh, you know, I get questions like this once in a while regarding plant-based food, broadly speaking. And, um, uh, you know, what, what I like to do is uh, perhaps introduce these things if I need to uh, in small doses <laughs> uh, and not, uh, not that it's necessary to, to hide the item per se, um, but uh, you know, present it as a secondary or tertiary ingredient, um, you know, whether it's in the form of a sauce uh, or just uh, some other component within a preparation. Uh, and you don't need to say anything about it. Right? It's just part of a beautiful meal that you prepared. And, um, you know, if someone asks, you know, tell them it's cheese. I mean, after all, that's kind of what, what, it's, what it is, right, and, and how it's functioning. And um, if, if uh, you know, the, the diner continues to pry as to what kind of cheese and what's in it, then, you know, I think you just leave it to them. Uh, at, at some point, uh, the diner may decide to try it and find the enjoyment in that item, uh, or the diner may choose to avoid it forever. And that uh, there's nothing that that you or I can do about that as the cook necessarily. Okay, uh, you know we can only uh, provide the food in a beautiful format, handled properly. Uh, and, and seasoned delicately and all those things that we try to do, right, as the cook. Um, but uh, ultimately, it's up to the diner. And uh, so I hope you'll uh, give that gentle approach uh, a try and see how it goes. All right. Thank you. And it uh, looks like uh, the last question of the day. Uh, what are bold greens and what flavors do they have? Um, yeah, you know, in, uh, in our courses, you know, we uh, categorize salad greens in, um, in sort of broad uh, categories. And, and this is not specific to Ruby. This is really how we try to, to talk about uh, greens uh, relative to constructing a salad uh, in the food world. And so if you work in a restaurant, uh, you know, you uh, may use some, some uh, very similar terms or the same terms here. But um, so what's a bold green? Bold just very simply uh, means that the particular uh, uh, 
green, the vegetable, the, the leafy item, has a, a relatively bold or strong flavor, right, or taste. And um, so, you know, compared to, let's say, iceberg lettuce, which is pretty mild, um, you know, you might have arugula or, uh, you know, any number of uh, examples that just have more flavor. And, uh, you know, the, the, it could be characterized as a, a strong flavor um, or a bold flavor, which, you know, I, I would look at as uh, you know, being the same sort of thing. And we're trying to perhaps uh, categorize the, the same item. Uh, an, another term that's commonly used, you know, aside from the mild iceberg and, and maybe something more um, uh, bold, like um, watercress, you know, as, as an example, which just has kind of a peppery, strong flavor to it, uh, is bitter. And, you know, if we think about uh, radicchio, uh, radicchio is notably bitter. And uh, so uh, we often uh, use that uh, bitter label as a broad way to categorize uh, uh, greens. Okay. Now they're not always green in color, but we call them greens, these, uh, these salad components. Um, also keep in mind, uh, you know, a couple of things, right? These are just arbitrary categories. Okay. And that, uh, you know, a given food item, a given lettuce green uh, may exhibit more than one flavor or taste uh, character. Right. In which case uh, we need to maybe choose the most prominent of those tastes and then place that lettuce item into a certain category. OK, so um, the I think the the easiest way to start to learn what some of these terms mean, whether it's relative to lettuce. Right. Or any other tasting category uh, is indeed to taste the food. And, you know, what I do and what I continue to do today is I'll go to the store and I'll buy multiple examples uh, of items in a given category, take them home and with a, a piece of paper, right? And a pencil, uh, I'll taste them and I'll take notes. And uh, this helps me learn and remember, uh, you know, the the personalities of these different ingredients okay and uh this is something that i've always done uh with my on ground students uh is to do an herb tasting right to do a vinegar tasting uh to do a uh, a dried bean that's been cooked tasting uh and look at foods by category so that we can better understand how they compare to one another, uh, and we can better understand what might be a suitable substitute for the other based upon the situation, okay? And uh, so, uh, you know, get out and, uh, in other words, uh, train your palate uh, and uh, come to understand what these terms mean, uh, and that helps with overall communication with other food professionals. Okay. And um, yeah, I think that answers the, the two-part question here. Okay. Whether something is going to be peppery or bitter or nutty or mild or 
uh, sour or something else, right, within these lettuce uh, categories, okay, or examples. All right. Uh, thank you very much, all of you, for joining me today for this live event, uh, for dropping in uh, on my office hours. Uh, I hope this discussion was helpful for you, and I look forward to seeing you again. All right. Until then, happy cooking. Thank you.